this idea that we need to go build huge, big, all-encompassing protocols, platforms, tools, and that somehow we'll kind of get there without doing like the small experiments that that maybe lead to the insights that ultimately lead to truly being able to build something big. What is your core meme? And then building experiments around that and knowing that the first one's not going to necessarily go crazy viral, but it's more about compounding and, and being consistent. I'd say that you have a lot of primitives that are being matured. We don't have yet the entire winners. Like we don't have the playbook yet, but it's being built. What is this, this, this core community? What is the profile? Who are these people? Another way I think about it is like, if these people were in a high school lunchroom, like what table would be, would they be sitting at? What would, who are they? What are they like? And like, for us, it's like the skaters and it's like for pudgy penguins. It's like, those are like the, the valedictorians for D gods. It's like the frat bros for Azuki. It's like, yeah, it's like the hype beast type, like really well-dressed for ours, like the skaters, but they're not wearing like super high quality Supreme. Maybe there's like DIY. And so, yeah, just some like different thoughts there. Really thinking about compounding this core audience. Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Backdrop Podcast, a show focused on helping builders figure out how to bring new things to life in frontier tech. This conversation was recorded as part of 100 Builders, a four-week program to support people building open tech at early stages in crypto and AI. Today, we're talking about where to build next in crypto with three founders that always seem to have their ear to the ground on that topic. We recorded this in September of 2023, a pretty interesting time for crypto. On the one hand, it's the depth of the bear market and token prices across the board are pretty low. But on the other hand, there are some promising signs from Washington about regulatory guidance for builders. And we see products like Frentech that are able to grow super quickly and abstract away a lot of the complexity of crypto in the user experience. It does feel like crypto is becoming real consumer grade tech. Jess, Hadrian and Patrick have seemingly managed to always catch the next wave and stay at the frontier. And what is worth listening for is how each of them has a pretty clear mental model of which big opportunities are coming next. So let's get to it. For anyone that has been living under a rock that doesn't know, you know, your wonderful selves, maybe we'll do some quick intros. Patrick, you were here first. So, or no, Adrian, you were here first. I'm going to give you the, the, the mic uh, to start us off. Yeah, hey, everyone. It's Adrian. I'm the founder of Sysmo. What we're doing is that uh, we enable apps to request ZK proofs from personal data of users. So uh, today, applications, they are either Web2 and have access to all the data or Web3 and have access to wallet data, entire wallets. And with Sysmo, you can request uh, ZK proof of NFT ownership, ZK proof of balance uh, of a specific of a specific uh, token or stuff like that. So, so you're happy to, to be here. It's going to be fun. Sweet. Yeah, maybe Patrick, over to you. Yeah, so I'm Patrick. I'm the founder of a project called The World's Largest. And we're a Web3 product studio. Every few weeks, we're going to launch these fun games, products, these drops. You can compete to earn cash and prizes. And so our first drop's going to be in a few weeks. And then yeah, every couple of weeks after that, we're going to be constantly creating new content, fun games and experiences. And so excited to chat more about what we're working on and how we've been thinking about things. This is the first time I've heard this stealth project named. I mean, I don't know if this is, you know, some alpha here, but it's news to me. So that's very exciting. I think you're, you're right, Joey. I think every time I talk to Patrick or think about talking about, about Patrick's new thing, I'm wondering, am I giving away too much? When if you can <laughs> actually talk about it? Um, yeah, stoked to be here. I'm Jess from Seed Club. We're running the Consumer Crypto Accelerator. Very, very stoked to be working with Patrick and, and the world's largest. And then I think we're also investors in, in Hadrian and Sysmo. So part of the family here. 
just one big happy family and us as well, which is very yeah, nice. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I wanted to kind of kick us off here with a very lightweight, fun, just question, which is what is exciting you at the moment? I think, you know, there's been a lot of interesting movement, especially over the past months in crypto. Some things feel, you know, like they're coming back. Some things feel new. So I'm just curious. Yeah. What, what are you kind of getting inspired by at the moment? Who wants to jump in? I can start. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, for, for us, I think it's been excited to see the social apps that are being built more and more uh, uh, mature, I would say, uh, we've seen some improvement of UX. I think the friend tech app was an interesting one uh, when where you had some innovation on the UX and it was uh, still very financialized, but it has some social aspect. And uh, for us, Sismo, it's at the core of our thesis. We want to, to enable new social apps and uh, so we're very excited to see more and more social graphs being on-chain or sovereign at least. So you can think about Farcaster, Lens, and other uh, social network protocols and some other social apps. And at some point, what will be great is like, since you own the data of all of these, all of these uh, apps, you will be able to do very fun things between those. Uh, and that's uh, the core of our thesis. Like, we are a tool to try to, thanks to privacy, let application developers say, okay, I'm going to take a, a bit of reputation from uh, Coinbase. There is a sign-in with Coinbase that is, exists, a bit of reputation from Twitter, uh, a bit from your private wallet, from your ENS. And so uh, we're so excited to see Grasp being built and all the tools around that will allow us to fully leverage the sovereignty of this uh, for our users. So, so excited. And I know that, uh, yeah, here we, are, we, we can uh, share here, at least with Jess, I know. so. It's good. Cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Social apps, very interesting. I would say, if for me, I'm very interested in like Web3 gaming and not necessarily like gaming with a capital G where it's like a AAA produced game, takes tens of millions of dollars, you're building it and it's just this 3D world, but more, more so like lowercase like gamification and thinking through... How do you reward? Like I personally view, I think there's a lot of different use cases, of course, for NFTs, but at least for what I've been thinking about, it's more on how do you use NFTs as a way to create this like hardcore, passionate VIP community of super fans. And just thinking through okay, by having this hardcore group of super fans that are aligned through these tokens, and then leveraging that as like a marketing engine to both like acquire new customers, get other people interested, but then also deepen the loyalty between this like core group of fans. And so like when a lot of people talk about Web3 gaming, like one argument is, oh, we're just going to like make every sword or item in the game an NFT. And maybe in the future that'll work, but it just gets really complicated when you're trading things and then the prices are going down. And so instead, I think it's more around how do you create these like contests, these tournaments, these fun live experiences where in the past you're like streaming on Twitch and that's driving a lot of growth within the gaming industry. But right now there's no real way for the fans to participate and to earn. And so I think in the future, it's going to be less around, okay, you join and you farm this token and then you get wrecked over time. And more so, okay, if you're going to have a tournament, it lasts maybe seven days and the top 10 players, they share in this 100K prize pool where instead of 10, spending that 100K on marketing ads on Facebook, Google, influencers, now you're using and you're giving it back to the community. And there's one example recently, there's a lot of controversy with this creator league from Mr. Beast and, and one of the creators that was this basically 
what it was is it's this contest where there's, I believe, eight creators, very, very popular, some of the most popular in the world. And it's like a Fortnite tournament where you can basically buy a $20 pass that's an NFT, which is what caused the controversy. But with the pass, you basically get membership. You get access to exclusive content with that creator, but then also you get to get some of the rewards. You play and compete and you share in a 200K price pool. And so you basically have this, this thing where in the past you were just as a as a consumer, you're watching the stream of these influencers and you're maybe talking in the chat or maybe talking in Discord, but now you can actually participate. You can be on their team. You can get exclusive merch. You can win giveaways. You can earn money. And I think that's the future of, of at least what I'm very focused on with the combination of like gamification and NFTs and creating these like super passionate fans where it's not about everybody trying to make money and more so have a fun experience for everyone. And then very small percentage of the top players or most engaged fans, they end up making money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Jess, you want to add something in there, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm just excited about seeing the there's sort of these tech inflection points that I think have a big impact on the types of things that can get built. And I think we're in the middle of a bunch of those coming together. I think Frentech was a good example of some of these coming together in, in an early way, but you know, uh, L2s, account abstraction, um, you know, the identity, ZKs. There's just all these new and interesting things that builders now have uh, access to. And I think it's going to result in a bunch of really interesting remixing and, and user experiences coming out. So I think seeing people package, repackage, and, and run at these experiments, um, yeah, head on is, is probably the most exciting thing that we're seeing happening right now. Just a follow-up question to to that. Like, I, I'm curious, how do you think about, maybe Patrick, I'll pick on you on this one, because you know, we're working with obviously a ton of people that are going zero to one on something in crypto, which I think right now feels incredibly exciting. There's like a bunch of new primitives out there. There are some cool examples of people getting real traction. You know, things are cheaper. The UX can you know, be better. So you like there's there's a, a, all new tools, but at, at the same time, like it, it feels also pretty hard in some ways. There's there's tons of new stuff. There's lots of noise. Like the foundations are changing. So I'm I'm just curious, like. How do you think about, you know, Jess, maybe you're also a great one here. Like we're, we're trying to get people to find like the five people or 10 people who just are obsessed with their project, right? Like, you know, live, live, eat, sleep, that thing. Um, I, I don't know. Do you, Patrick, I'm going to pick on you because I know you have some, you've got some pretty developed thoughts on that one. But how do you, how do you think about that? I think there's, there's different ways to think about it. And for this one, say, take a step back, like philosophically, like I think that at, at a zero to one stage, early stage startup, like the roadmap needs to be dictated by marketing. And a lot of people think through roadmap and like I used to think, okay, the roadmap is how many engineers do we have? What do what are they excited about building or what are we excited about building? And then you build it and then it's like, okay, what's the easiest thing to build? How do we get this MVP out really quickly and ship it? And those are great depending on the context, but the way I try to think about it is like what is what's the tweet that we're gonna share? Who are those 10 people that are going to share? Who are the 100 people that are going to share? Who are we going to DM? And who's going to be excited about it and then share it with their friends? And so thinking through like packaging, okay, what is the tweet going to say? What is the website? What is that experience? What is that hook? And, and thinking through it that way. And so that's a lot of what we've thought about in terms of you know, like our early experiments and, and really thinking through, okay, what is, you know, what are we going to share on Twitter about it? What's the experience? Why are they going to share it with their other friends? And what's what's a way to to keep them engaged over time, whether that's following on Twitter, signing up for notifications, SMS or email, et cetera. And so 
philosophically, that's like how I've been thinking about it. And then more tactically, yeah, I feel like like one approach that I've been taking is this like partnering with different like Twitter threaders and they spend pretty much most of their time like growing their Twitter accounts. And at first, like, if you don't have like money to bring them on or like enough resources or prefer not bringing them on as full-time employee, I'm sure you can like partner with them, give them, if you're launching an NFT collection, give them some allocation, give them tokens if you plan on doing that, give them some sort of stipend, do like a one month, two month, three month contract and work closely with them to amplify and that works. But yeah, I feel like another one is also like just building for a specific community, a specific project like Nouns community is a great one. Farcaster is another great one as well. So I think there's different approaches depending on how broad or how focused you want to be. But I'm sure Jess also has some really good thoughts there as well. I think like the, you know, like the, the best time to build something is in markets like this. And like probably the absolute worst time is when it's overheated and hot. Building now kind of probably feels like the worst time to be building and building during the bull market probably felt like the best time to be building. But, uh, you know, today it's just very easy to reach people who care. It's a much smaller self-referencing group. Now that like one of the defining books on, on go-to-market is Crossing the Chasm. It's this wonderful book written probably in the, in the 90s. I'm sure many of you have read. But, you know, core to that is this idea of sort of trying to be a big fish in a small pond and really, you know, saturating and, and being a part of a group of people who are excited about a specific thing and, and want to talk to, to their friends about it. So I think that opportunity is it's huge right now, in, especially in, in Web3. And people are looking for new and interesting things um, if you're able to surprise and delight them, you know, which I think, again, Frentech is a great example of this. You can see massive growth in a very short period of time. I'm constantly shocked at, at I guess, the, the gap that exists, I think, in many of our minds as we're building, where, you know, it's sort of this, we imagine that we'll build a thing and then we'll kind of put it out into the world and people will like it. And, and all of a sudden, you know, if I've done my job well in building the thing, it's going to spread. And it, it's just like literally never the case uh, behind any you know, even viral marketing growth has uh, an immense amount of like one-to-one -one outreach and connection and talking and relationship building. So I think, you know, in the early stage of building anything, finding a group of people who are, who are interested in what you're building and leaning in, building those relationships and just living in people's DMs is such an underrated tactic. Yeah. I mean, I always, one of the examples I always give people, you know, and, you know, I'm sorry to put you on the, on the spot here, Jess, but I would, I feel like, you know, Seed Club has this gravity as like a product, as a brand, as, as something. And, you know, I think when you're in it, it's the core group is, is not that massive, right? Like for how big it feels like to people, the, the people that are really propagating that are not, it's not like thousands of people, right? It's, you know, it's much smaller than that. So I, I think people tend to really, they, you, if you look at something successful, you look at Seed Club, you're like, oh, that thing feels huge. You know, so the only way for me to do that is to like put something out in a place where it can be huge. I'm just going to tweet about it or whatever. And I, I think people really overestimate like how many people you need kind of at the core to to build a, a snowball like that. So that and yeah, um, I, I think that feels really true still now more than ever. Um, I wanted, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, Adrian, I, I'm curious. Like, I, I guess you're working with people that are really bringing like entirely new kinds of products to life. <laughs> like, you know, they're, so, you know, ZK is, is a huge topic. I think it has been for, for a long time, but, um, you know, and, and even, you know, like friend tech feels like, for example, like uh, the return of, of like BitCloud, like all these ideas like come, come back. 
but I think they come back and they come back differently. So yeah, you know, what have you, what have you seen in terms of like people kind of bringing new, new things to life and how are you helping them kind of find some interesting pocket of the, of the internet? Yeah, first, I agree a lot with what uh, was said just before. We've seen the cycles and always that's, that's when to build relations. That's the most important and find the people that think like you. And so we talked about the social aspect of, of things like a uh, lot of people are working on the UX onboarding on the social networks and stuff like that. There are also the ZK community. So this one is, is, is another one, but uh, these are all super niche, but we're tightly uh, close together. So, so for me, I think the usability of ZK, uh, that is, can be a scary term. Like also similarly, how a community might be scary at the beginning, but you just have to build some value and find somebody that see the value, uh, with a close community. Uh, technicalities can also be very scary. Account abstraction, ZK, these kind of things. And I think that most of things are being way more accessible. So, so yes, for, for, for me, I think the, 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 the way ZK is being worked on, uh, it's nascent, but the community, in my opinion, has reached um, the critical mass that I've seen in Ethereum right, back in 2016, where you have passionate people that, seem, that are smart and, and that are tied together. So I see this on Farcaster for social aspect and also uh, in the ZK community, that is a very interesting one. So. So yes, a lot, lot of innovations. Sismo uh, is one of it, but there are so much, uh, so, so so many more. I can think about ZK KYC, about ZK Kapska. Uh, so yeah, yeah. In broad terms, I mean, because people often like when they look at friend tech, some people, you know, it's fair enough to make the analogy like, okay, this is kind of newly possible because of L2s, right? It's like, okay, you you probably couldn't have onboarded this many people this quickly, this easily without this kind of new infrastructure. So I, I know this is like, you know, maybe a, a, even still too broad of a question, but is, are there areas like that, that you like ZK as like a platform that you think are just going to be like opened up and people are going to be like, oh, that, that runaway thing, like that big thing, that's newly possible because of, of ZK. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, what I think is that there are a lot of new primitives that are being built. They are not entirely mature yet. But if you think about Privy behind that, there is the MPC thing that is doing, like Privy is doing. So Privy is the wallet that is used by, by uh, Frentech and uh, they have MPC, so multi-party computation. That's one primitive that is used so that you can have a key in your browser uh, and some key that are uh, at in Privy's uh, servers too. So you can have recovery if you lose it and you can connect with your email, stuff like that. What's great is that this primitive is not new, but now it's uh, mature enough so that you have a way to Use a real wallet if you want these kind of things, and you have this on on uh, on on yeah many things. Account abstraction also has, has been way more powerful. Smart contract wallet. So on Zeki specifically, I think to be honest, we are doing a quite a good job. Like you don't have to know anything about Zeki, and you can use uh, in your contract uh, this without like we we abstracted this away. So so yeah, I. I'd say that you have a lot of primitives that are being matured. We don't have yet the entire winners. Like we don't have the playbook yet, but it's being built. And so to the previous point, get in there and it's easy to connect the dots or to make bets on, okay, I think private embedded wallet will be a thing. Stealth address will be a thing. Account abstraction, uh, this kind of thing. 
or ZK. So that's that's what I think is not mature, but you have all the premises to create entire new design space and uh, an industry almost. So yeah, that's uh, what I would look for. I think like get in there and experiment. I think there's this like, like for a number of reasons, uh, this this idea that we need to go build huge, big, all encompassing protocols, platforms, tools, and that somehow we'll kind of get there without doing like the small experiments that that maybe lead to the insights that ultimately lead to truly being able to build something big. So I think if, even if you look at, I love that we just talk about Frentech all the time, but you look at the, the sort of the process it took to get the team there, probably the ongoing process that they're still running. It, like there was four distinct experiments that the, that team built before Frentech hit, you know, there was steel cam, there's a couple before it. So I think like, the, the willingness to sort of build something, get it into market, learn from it, you know, learn from it live, which is, uh, you know, I think an essential part to these ecosystems that we're building uh, and then iterate on it is, is big. And I think, you know, VCs are generally against the idea of product studios, though I would argue that's kind of what the team behind Frentech is. Um, and, and I think like going after maybe tighter scoped experiments that don't need to be the big things, but are testing the sort of the bundling or, or the remixing of some of these new tools together and then getting them in the hands of folks, I think is huge, not only from a, a learning perspective, I think when it hits, it creates new inflection points for others to experiment. They're also live and, and building that, that sort of uh, muscle memory and, and the relationships and connections that will support whatever the next thing that, that emerges is. So I think for teams that are maybe haven't raised money or are, you know, trying to, um, yeah, build up some of the, the early momentum in their products or, or their startups. I think building things and shipping it and doing that often, even if it's small and scoped is, yeah, is a huge opportunity, especially today because these small things, people, we're just so hungry. Like that this, the, the niche that is crypto right now is hungry, hungry, hungry for new and interesting things. And it, there's such an appetite for, whatever you may be doing right now. Yeah. 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 That point, um, go ahead. Yeah. I just think that point is like, super important and I'm slightly biased because I'm taking a very similar approach, but yeah, I feel like I just thought about this a lot and I feel like the previous era of whether it's like VC backed startups or it's like technology companies, like the cool thing to do was to raise a bunch of money and then work on one product. And it's like, this is the product. And of course, every now and then, you maybe like, you'll pivot to something else and do that. But it was really like doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on one specific product. And then we're moving to a world where, because like a lot of people talk about the attention economy, where in the previous era of tech companies, there just wasn't, you're competing with television, or you're competing with going outside and playing with friends. Whereas now you're competing with TikTok, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, the most addictive apps in the world. They're basically designed to addict you and engage you. And so yeah, with that, it's going to be very hard to just like commit to one app and that's going to be the one. And of course, every now and then that'll work. But instead, I think really it's about taking this distribution first approach and doing that through these small experiments. And I think the key is like a lot of people have like tried product studios in the past and they get a bad rap. But I think one thing a lot of them did wrong was that they didn't, they didn't retain their core customer set, they kind of built a bunch of like random products. They built like five things. One was like in fintech, one was like a consumer thing, one was like insurance, one was SaaS. And it's like every time you don't compound on a core audience or a core community. 
But like the thing that I've just learned through Web3 the last few years on the internet is that communities are this very like powerful force and and those are going to be the next great social networks, these communities. And so I think the next generation of these like big products are going to start off as these little experiments, these product studios, but they compound on a core audience, a core community that has like some sort of like what I've heard Jess talk a lot about is like this core meme, this core narrative, whether it's ZK, whether it's like the nouns, one a day auction, whether it's decentralized social, like what is your core meme? And then building experiments around that and knowing that the first one's not going to necessarily go crazy viral, but it's more about compounding and, and being consistent. And so I think that's, yeah, that's going to be a very popular approach going forward. And Frontex a perfect example. Very clearly isn't a, a product studio either. So we're, we're, we need better mm -hmm. language for this stuff. Because I think that the issue with the product studio is this idea that we're going to build something and then I'm going to be able to spin it out. And somehow I'm going to find somebody awesome to come in and run it. And, you know, once we figure that initial insight out, you know, it's easy running. But for anybody who's built anything, you know, the, you know, this is a 10-year process of, of iteration. So I think that's really where there's, there's hesitation. What, what you're building, Patrick, is, is a machine to compound attention. And you create a, a, a organization and a team that is built to go out and build experiments. But they're all building towards this one, yeah, one community, one meme, one, you know, attention network. And I think that's really, you know, the, the framing, especially if, if you're, you know, in a builder in this position, that's probably important to lean into, you know, the product studios, not the, the easiest thing to, to raise money for, um, you know, maybe many crypto things aren't easy to raise money for right now, but I think there's this new meta that, that's emerging is these teams that are just, you know, incredible at building towards a, a similar thing that might take different paths to get there that are compounding that attention that they generate as, as they go. And I think Backdrop's, you know, an example of this as well. You'd never call yourself a product studio, but you're running at insights aggressively. And, you know, if we look back over the history of what you've done, it's, you know, it, it could be hard if people aren't following along to sort of, you know, draw the lines between them. But for those that have been following along, it's a very natural thing. And you see the compounding insights that you've generated from it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, one thing that I think about a lot, and I, I think this is a really important but nuanced point, at least when you're in it. So if you take these two concepts, which I actually both believe in and both, you know, Jess and Patrick, and we all talked about them, like one is just being distribution first, which I think is a great idea if you can do it. So, you know, everyone says like first time founders, you know, stress too much about products, second time founders, you know, think about distribution. Generally, the concept is like, yeah, you know, Think, think about distribution, you know, before anything else. And that's totally true. And then the other thing people say is like, you know, ship fast, pivot hard, ship often. And, and that's also true. I think it's like, you know, if you don't have real, if like, you, you know, it when you feel it, right. If your product is dead in the water, it could be like successful. It, I mean, and we've been in this position actually a bunch of times where like we have something people are using, like it's, on even on the surface maybe it looks like it's going well but you just know that you are operating towards a local maximum and the thing you have to do in that situation is you have to pivot like you have to get out of that i mean that or at least that's the blessing and the curse of being a venture-backed company right it's like we're we're, we're we're here to build something big and those two things are not necessarily in contrast um but they are they tug at each other because you know and and, and i think maybe there's the 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 uniting thread is like the meme, right? If you can really get good on a meme, like that thing will carry you through. But for example, in our case, like we've always been, you know, working to support builders at the edges, right? Which is like, that's, that's our thing that we care about. That's the meme. But even in, in the pivots that we've gone through, it's like, okay, maybe we care a little bit more about 
the venture backed founders and like building a private network and maybe, okay, now we care about a little bit more people at even earlier stages, people like, you know, maybe pre-funding, right? And so the, there's a real sunk cost of your existing distribution as well. So, you know, if you, we have whatever, a thousand people that are venture backed founders and we're trying to build something new, it's like, you know, so I, I think it's, it's not easy to know how to navigate those things. I, I think to me, like the, the best answer is, you know, to follow that meme. But I also think, Patrick, to your point, and what I'm curious about in crypto is like, are there better tools for people to do that? Like, if you are a founder iterating through a bunch of products in crypto, you know, are there, you know, games, things, you know, ways that you can build distribution that will not slow you down, will not feel like some cost, um, but will kind of like power every iteration you go. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, to, I feel like Patrick, that's kind of what you're, you're trying to do. Um, but if, if you can, it would be a huge, huge benefit for, um, or, you know, people. And I'm, you know, I definitely would encourage anyone to think about how to do that well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, one other framing I really like is, I believe that FWB has been saying it lately, but it's it's like we're building these new types of social networks where I feel like in the previous generation, you, know, you have these massive social networks. It was winner take all. You're basically like one format, like each format has one winner, whether it's Instagram for photos, YouTube for video, Twitch for live streaming, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, and that, the previous generation is because they basically have this like compounding network effect where you need the best content to get the most content, you need the most people and all that. And so it's winner take all. But I feel, and so those are great. But then now we're realizing these social networks are not very social. You're not really like talking to friends. It's mostly like consuming content. And if there is any social component, it's in the DMs and, and people on, and the head of Instagram, he talks about how the most engagement, like the most like active feature, used feature is actually like, it's not commenting, it's not liking, it's sending a post in a DM to your friend. And now I look at on the reels, like if you go in the reels tab, you can see there's like 10,000 likes on the post, 500 comments and 100,000 like DMs, not for every time, but a lot of time, more often than not. And it's like, holy cow, it's like, so that's really interesting. And, and so people are craving the social interaction in these spaces. And so I feel like the next generation, it's not gonna be these winner take all. A lot of people are like, what's the next big social app? And there'll probably be one, but it's just very hard just given the environment, what's already there and what you're competing against. And I feel like the next generation of these social networks, it's, really, it's not going to be these $100 billion behemoths like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or trillion dollar. It's going to be these communities that are these new types of social networks. They're, they can maybe be worth up to $100 million, a billion, a few billion, but there's going to be a lot more of them. And so when you talk about, or we talk about like, compounding what is like the core asset you're building over time that you can you can leverage throughout all these experiments it is this like new type of social network or a community if you want to frame it that way and it's like who are these people what is this meme you're focused on and yeah i was going to use backdrop as an example it's it's builders it's people building whether it's yeah depending on what stage that might differ but it's people that are like building products they're to use a current meme in the arena and yeah and it's like thinking through like <laughs> who are these people that yeah, like what is this like profile? And then over time, like even if you pivot a bit for the actual interface, maybe the one way to put it is like if you had a group chat and telegram of all these people in there, like would can you still share the new thing you're building with them? Or would you need to create a new group chat from scratch? As long as you can share the new thing with the same group chat, then that's that's like positive growth, that's compounding. And of course, maybe sometimes you pull the plug and say, Hey, this isn't the right group, that's fine. But at least the goal is, hey, 
what is this group chat? What is this people? What are these profile? And, and for what we're building, it's actually quite amorphous, but but not really in the sense that it's like 18 to 30 year old, usually it's skews towards males that are on the internet. They have pretty this edgy sense of humor. They're fan and like some some like brands that that we really like and we think that our fans would like is like mischief, like full send like FaZe Clan. So they're like gamers, but they also like comedy, entertainment. They like these like fun internet native products and memes. They understand the internet culture, all of that. They like new technologies like crypto. And so that's like the core audience we're going after and trying to compound. And so that's what I would say is like, what is this, this, this core community? What is the profile? Who are these people? Another way I think about it is like, if these people were in a high school lunchroom, like what table would be, would they be sitting at? What would, who are they? What are they like? And like for us, it's like the skaters and it's like for pudgy penguins. It's like, those are like the, the valedictorians for D gods. It's like the frat bros for Azuki. It's like, yeah, it's like the hype beast type, like really well-dressed for ours, like the skaters, but they're not wearing like super high quality Supreme. Maybe there's like DIY. And so, yeah, just some like different thoughts there. Really thinking about compounding this core audience. I mean, this is just a, really a true builder in action. You're, you're seeing it live. I mean, I think the framework of identifying your target audience by lunch table is scold. Underrated for sure. Yeah. I think there's also a thing that Patrick has done an incredible job at over the last well, a couple of years, which is like being active and building, building and shipping things and building relationships. We're, we're coming up towards the end of the time here. So I'm going to start to like wind us towards the end. Um, I mean, there's some, if anyone has questions in the, in the chat, you know, throw, now chuck them in. Um, oh, Patrick, that, I think maybe that, that chat is private, but yeah, I think there's a question here just kind of commenting on, on Patrick's point, but. The private chat here is Patrick just talking about how much he loves being in the arena with Chamath. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to take my shirtless, my shirtless pick at the gym. Be like Chamath. <laughs> oh yeah like you don't have seven of those on your phone right now yeah exactly <laughs> um so i see the, the question from math incredible username um yeah I, I mean i think we see this trend happening yeah even so take take crypto out right like the vast majority i think of, of my social interaction on the internet right now is in group chats the last place i'm going to do it is on a facebook feed i love logging in every once in a while just to see my neighbors freaking out about something but it's definitely not a place where i would want to be engaged in any meaningful conversation and so we're seeing these digital social clubs you're probably a, a, a you know a member of it's like a group chat I, I think what's interesting is you know have you know with with blockchains crypto the, the ability to sort of have the shared asset for coordination the, the potential for um, the scale and the reach and the value creation to emerge from that in these smaller groups I think is is you know still a huge opportunity I think we're still trying to figure out the exact value accrual mechanisms from that, given the legal and technological landscape right now. But I think that's the thing, you know, if we look at Patrick saying that we're, we're social networks going, I think you look at YouTube as a network and then let's look at the examples he gave of a Mr. Beast or, or a Nelk. These are, are, you know, they have their own social context around them. There's fans around them. There's, they participate across multiple different channels and then they come together to create equity value around something like a happy dad or feastables. And so the way that, that these social networks or this attention network that is being generated by these folks leveraging existing web two tools is through selling goods, building brands, turning that attention into something that is, is, is equity value. I think there's a much more direct path to doing that with, with crypto networks and, and with the tokens being a coordination mechanism there. 
Um, and I, I expect that we'll see a bunch of experiments running in that direction. But you don't need to have, you know, 500,000 or a million or 10 million sort of subscribers like you would on, on YouTube. I think we're seeing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of network value being created by, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of, of holders in some of these uh, NFT collections. You know, my favorite Chromie Squiggle, I think, has something like 3,700 holders for some absurd overall network valuation. So I think that's where I get super bullish on these ideas of like these digital clubs or social networks emerging with you know, sort of uh, new economic models around them. And it's a, a place we spend a, a bunch of uh, our time thinking about. Yeah, there's, or go ahead, Adrian. I think the core of this is really the sovereignty in the end. Because you can think of the blockchains or stuff, but the big change, Web 2, Web 3, if you have to sum up, is Web 2, you have your data, it's yours, and then you bring into an app. And so an app is not somewhere where you have to register and that gets your data and then that organized the thing. And the centralization uh, of this led to, yeah, the incentives to, to let users consume content, get their attention to sell this. Uh, what's great with what you do, blockchain, but ZK, but all these things, like now you are able to have custody of your data, of your history, and the apps are just way to use your data. So, for instance, when you can have from your Farcaster friendship, it's custody of your, your friendships are yours, and you can use several different clients to use your data. So, to use your data. And so, it means that you can consume the way you want. Uh, you can really choose where to meet who. For instance, I love an app. My friend, like let's say that I have a friend, we both love dogs. Uh, we have this in our data. I can ZK prove that I love dogs. I had 10 dogs. He can do that too. But uh, I don't like, uh, I, I love an app. He loves another app. We could still talk to each other through our preferred apps. And we're not tied to anything. And nobody can know more about ourselves. So that's the core of it. And I think blockchains are a bit reductive. It's, it's, it's really the, the property that allows that is, is the self-custody, the sovereignty. And for this, you need privacy. Uh, that's the, the big thing is that once you have all your data, that's what happens. You have several wallets. You have a private wallet, public wallet, uh, private wallet for your assets, one for your DeFi, one where you get paid by DAO, stuff like that. Okay, you have custody of it. And now you are owner of your data. That's great. But now how to leverage this? In the past, we are used to how to leverage data. They sell it, so it's uh, very uh, financialized. Like uh, they get your, they get our data and they sell it basically. But now that we have power over it, we can do way more than just just sell this data. And in the past, we've seen like the crypto social networks trying to financialize your interaction. Like, uh, and I think it's not it's, it's reductive. The real thing is that now you have your data. Now, like in the real world, I can bring exactly what I want. To the app. So, for instance, in my private wallet, I have AV tokens, I have, I don't know, Ether, I'm a millionaire, anything. And in my public ENS wallet, I have pro apps, I went to events and stuff like that. I can go to an app and say, okay, uh, I bring the ZK proof that I have more than 2K dollars because uh, you, requ you require me to do that. And I won't give you my entire financial data. And, and at the same time, I will prove you that I went to this DEF CON event. Uh, through the pop, and that's where like the privacy is not is is not an end. Like we don't privacy enables. It doesn't need to be sold. The goal of privacy is to enable you to aggregate your data that is custodial, that is self-custodial, and you can really selectively disclose whatever you want to the app. 
So that's the thing that will make us able to really do social apps and not, as you said, uh, content uh, consumption. So that that's, I think, uh, yeah, sovereignty is the core thing that, like, theoretically, it's sure that it will happen, in my opinion. We have the tools now to not need trusted party. Yeah, I think people, I mean, it feels like there's a through line to this, which is like, people always said that, you know, privacy is like not a real consumer, like it doesn't drive consumer behavior, which I think is actually mostly been true. Like, you know, there's a lot of... You know, because it, it was on private servers, so they, like, business is to sell their data. So, of course, they make it private. Yeah. So of course, like, the data won't leak from Facebook servers, otherwise their competition get access to it. But now that ours, we need privacy to be able to merge them together. So that's the big difference. I've, it's hard to think about it, but because we've been raised on this thing that our data is safe in their servers, but that now that we have custody of about it, privacy becomes so important, and it's an enabler to cross our graphs that were never possible before. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like every time we've seen new kind of stuff come online, it's been a game changer, right? So we have content, we have like. And then people are like, oh, I'm so online. Like, I literally, my whole life is online. That is true. But it's also, there's actually so much more that is not online yet. And there, if you think about privacy, like, it's not about like, oh, you know, people have all this stuff online and they want to like put it under privacy. No, it's actually more, I think what's more interesting is like when you bring like new waves of things online, like we've seen what happens. And so I think under that lens, like it's it's super interesting. And some of the data that you're mentioning, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to post my bank account like on Twitter. I'm just not going to do it. But, you know, like there is a world in the future where I might actually need to verify my bank account or like, you know, ZK into something else. And, and so if you think about that from like the lens of a builder, I think it just unlocks like an entirely new kind of class of products that we just haven't been possible for, which is super cool. Um, we're, we're at the end of the time here. Maybe I'll pull. This is a good question to end us up on. Um, yeah. What, what, you know, what's in it for you? Um, what are what's the something just a personal need, a social need that you have? That you're hoping crypto will solve. Anyone have a good answer? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'd say one. It's very related to what Adrian's building at CK Sismo, and it's around like identity and reputation. And I feel like a lot of people talk about it, but I think that's like, like most things in crypto. I think it's way too like technical. I think we'll we'll figure out better language over time. But it is like, this notion of, and also to Joey's point around, there's a lot of what's less interesting is taking existing information, putting on chain and rather new information that is currently inaccessible or not used in the right way. And I feel like in terms of identity reputation, for me, it's, it's like, what if we could kind of signal our like passion, our interest in specific creators? And if these are like, I deeply, deeply believe that creators are going to be the next massive brands. It's not going to be the Apples of the world, the Googles, Facebooks, it's going to be Mr. Beast, it's going to be Logan Paul, it's going to be Emma Chamberlain, Kim Kardashian, it's already happening. And yeah, to be able to signal, and so like another trend is that in the past, these platforms like Facebook, these tech companies were the platform. You go to Facebook, you go to Instagram, you go to YouTube. The next generation, these creators are the platform. Their fans, them themselves, their brand, they are the platform. And it's basically like their fans will engage with, they're building these ecosystems where they have a YouTube channel, they have TikTok shorts, they have a Discord community, then they have consumer products, they have merch, they have they have like candy, alcohol, et cetera, sports drinks, whatever it is. And so yeah, like 
there's this massive ecosystem. And so being able to signal, hey, I am one of the most engaged fans on the YouTube channel. I bought all these products. I went to this live show that unlocks access for this like VIP treatment or this unlocks access for this exclusive chat. And like, right now we've done like the very basic version of, of like exclusive access and, and feel like, yeah, just V1 where you hold this token or you don't hold this token. But then over time, we're going to have these systems. It's going to look more like like some of the most advanced games in the world, whether it's like League of Legends, where you have different ranks and you have XP scores and this and that and need to make it fun and not just like, okay, hey, I did this. I'm, I'm doing this thing to get this benefit, but more so maybe you work together with a group. You have five people and together each of you need to level up. And so that creates a social component. And so, yeah, long answer, but in terms of personal social need, I think it's about making your online actions feel more valuable because right now it's like you like like something, comment it, view it. There's not really anything you get back from it. You're not compounding on any identity or reputation. But in the future, it's like when you do things, when you engage in the real world, when you engage online, it's actually like building up this profile, this identity, this reputation. And ZK is going to be a big part of that so that people yeah, you're able to like selectively show and display your interest, things like that. But I think that's what we're still probably a few years away from that. But I think that's going to be a big game changer. Just want to jump on the commentary very quickly because I think that's my last point, but it's an interesting one. There's a, we can redistribute the value of personal data from big uh, ad networks to the user. Uh, well, in the real world, you're very happy to show pictures of a party to one of your friends. You won't show all the pictures. You selectively disclose what you want, but you benefit from this value and it's not monetized. Like It's just you enjoy this and... That's what it means to have sovereignty over our data. We'll be able to enjoy it. And it's way more valuable than what Facebook is selling or these kind of companies. That's the power of it. So I just want to make this point. Value is not money. And like in the real life, we enjoy so much the capability to selectively disclose what you do. New context. Oh, I tell you a story about my work. I tell you a story about my family, about my parties. And it's so powerful. It, it creates so much joy and, and ability to connect. And central uh, things like they, they they remove this away from us because there's no way to really leverage it. So just wanted to make this point: uh, value is experience, is not just money. I would like to hear a story about your parties. And maybe you know this. We don't have time for it, but I mean, now you got my interest peaked. So <laughs> for for me, the most interesting thing is like. Crypto may have new business models for builders, creators, for, for people. And I think that is the core reason why I continue to, to be interested in, in this space. You know, if we look at, at there's probably three business models that, that are behind the trillions of dollars of value that's been created in sort of tech and, and on the internet. Uh, I think if there's a possibility of having a, a new way that we can create and distribute value, um, to me, I think that's what everybody who's building in crypto is doing right now. There's some some insight that there might be a new way for us to create value from things that aren't valued right now or through new types of interactions. And uh, the impact of being able to, to figure one of those things out, I think crypto has figured out a few already, uh, is huge and, and creates an exceptional amount of value in the world. So that's the, 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 the mundane and boringness of building a SaaS business is, I think, what crypto is hopefully going to solve. Yeah. Well, let's let's leave it there. Um, thank you all so much for for joining. Super enjoyed this, and yeah, you can find all these wonderful people online. See you later.